Recently, I was called to visit a family who had a loved one who was dying. And this is kind of a, a, not an uncommon experience for a priest. It's one of the things we do, is that we, we go and we give the anointing of the sick to those that are on their deathbed. And so I remember driving to this house and walking in and, and seeing the family grieving around the bed of this uh, elderly lady who was dying. And of course, I, I prayed with them, and we did the anointing of the sick, and, and we spent some time together. And then when it was time to leave, I, you know, I left, and I'm walking towards my car. And one of the family members comes with me, uh, follows me to my car, and, and says, Father, thank you so much for coming today, and this really meant so much to us, and um, I'd really like to give you this as a gift. And so he extends his hand, and I could see that there was like a wad of cash in his hand. Now, um, I can't speak for all priests, but I'm sure most priests would agree that we don't do this for the money, especially uh, deathbed situations. You know, this is just part of the priesthood, and it was my honor to be there and to pray with uh, this family. And so naturally, like, um, my first response to him was, you know, thank you very much, but you don't have to do that. But you could see in his eyes that he really wanted to do this, that it meant so much to him, and, and he wanted to have the opportunity to give something. And so he said, no, Father, I really want to give this to you. And I said, do me a favor. Would you mind just giving it to the poor? And he said, no, Father, I want to give it to you. <laughs> so, okay, so I received it, received his gift, and I got into my car and something incredible happened. As I, as I sat in that car, it's amazing how suddenly I was filled with all kinds of ideas of how to spend this money. And it wasn't even a lot. I mean, it was, it was about $20. But, but it, only a few seconds ago, I was, I was able to say out loud to someone else, like, give that money away. Give it to the poor. It was my honor to be able to say that, you know, I was excited for the poor person who was going to receive it. And then the money is in my possession and I'm in my car and no one's around and no one has to know what happens next. And I'm overcome with this turmoil within me. Should I give it to the poor or maybe should I just keep this for myself? Maybe I should use this to buy a little something. Or maybe I'll just keep it in my car and maybe one day if I see a poor person, I'll think about giving it to them. I'm having all these mind games and these temptations. All of a sudden, it's amazing. I was, I was just struck and surprised with how easy it is to deceive ourselves. To deceive ourselves, like we're these people that, you know, oh yeah, we're so generous and we can just give, give money away. But then at this time, whenever it's in, in hidden, it's just in secret, it's by ourselves. Suddenly that greed starts to manifest in our hearts. I grew up at a time where a number of people, maybe in my family or just in my, you know, I guess friends or circle of influence growing up. I would hear often people criticize the church because they would say, ah, oh, you know, the priest always talks about money. All they, they're just greedy. They just want to guilt trip the people to give them all the money. 
And, you know, the church, is, the church is not poor. Just look at Rome. Look at all that beautiful stuff they have. They're definitely not poor. And uh, they need to just stop talking about money in church. And so I, I grew up with that. And so I, I kind of, I'm like, I'm sensitive to the money conversation. And, but yet, whenever I read the Gospels, I see that Jesus tends to bring up money pretty often. It's kind of hard to escape, and it's hard as a preacher because it seems like quite often we keep getting these passages about money. It's like, why? Why did Jesus talk about this so much? Why does he keep bringing up money? And, and even outside of church, people tend to get very sensitive whenever we talk about finances, especially personal finances, very, very sensitive. Well, today, it looks like Jesus is telling a parable about cooking the books. And I know there's quite a few young people in the room, so um, that's just a phrase that basically says you're adjusting your, your, your bookkeeping in order to kind of get some financial gain, but it's, it's really immoral. You're not actually being honest with your bookkeeping. And it seems, at least on first glance, when you read this parable that Jesus tells, it seems like Jesus is celebrating someone who cooks the books. Someone who is dishonest with their finances. That's what it seems like. I mean, when you read that, maybe that was your experience. So it's kind of confusing. What is Jesus getting at? Why would he tell the story of a dishonest steward? So I want to just unpack for you a little bit today. Try to get a better understanding of this passage because it really is in the history of the church. This is one of the most difficult and I guess most confusing passages to understand. Which is why it's so wonderful that we have the sacred tradition of the church, the wisdom of the saints throughout the centuries who have uh, agreed in their inter interpretation. So we're not just going to try to guess the interpretation today. We're going to draw on the wisdom of 2,000 years of interpreting this passage. So what we have is a steward who is a person in charge of his master's money. Um, so a very wealthy person was not taking care of his finances back in the day. He had someone hired to take care of his finances, which kind of happens today sometimes too. And that steward, it turns out, was not handling the money correctly. And the master gets upset, so upset that he fires the steward. Steward no longer has his job. But before the steward leaves his job, he freaks out. Because he has, to, he has to survive. He has to take care of himself. And so he starts cooking the books. He starts going to his master's debtors and forgiving their debts. Now, what's interesting is the, the language here. It says that the steward squandered his master's property, which context is always important. This is Luke chapter 16. This is the chapter right after Luke 15, the prodigal son. We talked about that last week. And the prodigal son squandered his father's inheritance. And the very next story that Jesus tells is that this steward squanders his master's property. But unlike the prodigal son, you see the, the prodigal son had a conversion. He got down in the dumps and he, he repented and he came back home. Unlike him, the steward does not repent. Instead, the steward turns in on himself and turns into survival mode. How am I going to survive now that I don't have a job? Oh, I need to take care of these things. I know I'm going to be even more dishonest with my master's money by forgiving his debtors, 
with the money that's not even mine, using his master's money to forgive his master's debtors. Okay, remember, this is a parable, and uh, something important to know is that every parable, or typically, um, there's always a twist at the end. That's kind of what makes a parable a parable, that there's usually something unexpected that happens at the end. So a parable is more than just an image, like an analogy. There's usually a twist, and remember, the, the prodigal son, the twist was that the father started running towards his son and welcomed him home and had mercy, and no one expected the, the father to act that way to the prodigal son. But the twist for this one, after the dishonest steward is even more dishonest and forgives his master's debtors, the master praises the steward for, quote, his prudence. Unexpected. It seems as though the master is celebrating dishonesty. But that's not what's happening. We know that because God doesn't contradict himself. Instead, what's happening here, the Greek word for master is kurios, which um, kyrie eleison, the kurios uh, is the word for Lord. And the Greek word for prudence is phronimos, which can also be translated as shrewd. And some of you may have heard in the Bible before, Matthew chapter 10, verse 17, there's that word shrewd that's used to be wise, I'm sorry, shrewd as serpents, but innocent as doves. To be shrewd as serpents, but innocent as doves. And the same word is used here. The master is praising the steward's shrewdness. Okay, so let me make this easy for you because it is a, a difficult passage. If the master is the Lord, we are the stewards. And the Lord praises us when we are shrewd with our money. How can we be shrewd with our money? Well, just as the dishonest steward used his master's money to gain spiritual wealth, so too we use God's money to gain spiritual wealth. Let's unpack that. What is God's money? All of your money. Everything you own belongs to God first. Nothing that we own actually belongs to us primarily. Yes, you worked for it. Yes, you earned it maybe. But everything we have is a gift. It all comes from God. And at the end of the day, it's Jesus's money. He's the Lord, the curios, the master. And we are the stewards We are the stewards of his money, and the Lord praises us whenever we give his money away to those in need. That's the meaning of this parable. This parable is about giving alms. This parable is about being detached from our finances. This parable is about being generous in giving to those who are in need. So this is going to be a little bit difficult because we're talking about money and this is hard. And as I mentioned before, I'm talking to myself too. And if you're young, you're not off the hook. All of us have to figure out how to handle money and not allow it to take control of our lives. So the first question, well, I guess before I ask the question, you know, Jesus then summarizes this parable with a few maxims and he eventually says, you cannot serve both God and mammon. And 
If you're under the age of 22, you're going to learn something that I learned um, that I didn't learn until I was 22. Mammon means money. All right, that's out the way. Mammon means money. I learned that at 22 years old. Um, So you cannot serve God and money, Jesus says. You can only serve one. One or the other. So which do you love? Which do you serve? Is it God or is it money? Or maybe ask a little differently, which one do you trust more? Your bank account or God? Another way to ask this is, how quick are you to give your money away? How quick are you to spend money not on yourself but on others? How quick are you to give to those who are in need? Or, here's another way to ask it. Whenever you get a little extra cash, unexpectedly, maybe, maybe your mom or dad gives you, you know, just an extra $20 just because. Or maybe you find uh, an old, you know, $20 bill in your, uh, in your jeans, you know, from last winter or something. Whenever you just come across a little extra cash, what's your first thought? Ooh, well, buy me a little something. Or maybe, ooh, I should save it. But what about, ooh, I should give this away? Why is this a big deal? Why is money a big deal? So I actually uh, spent quite a, quite a few hours this weekend um, at a retreat, uh, healing the whole person retreat. It was a, it actually a few parishioners were there. Um, and it was in town that the speakers came from out of state and, and the purpose of this retreat was to help people discover what was keeping them from their relationship with God. What was, uh, causing these barriers or maybe people are, are suffering with addiction or deep woundedness or deep shame or, or some type of, um, difficult interior experience and what's preventing their healing. And the whole retreat was to help, um, the retreatants be healed And to have a life of freedom, to encounter the saving love of Jesus Christ, to set them free. And there's so much to say there, and you know, um, I want to reverence that. But but one of the 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 primary teachings, if we could just summarize like all of that, because I mean they're using the gospel and and they're using the uh, the wisdom of the saints. At the heart of their teaching is this: that the primary barrier between us and healing is self-reliance, which is another word for pride. Usually, if we've been hurt, maybe in the past, maybe recently, maybe big ways, maybe small, if we've been hurt, there's some type of trauma that, that we hold deep within us, and we create a barrier of self-protection so that we don't get hurt again. And if we don't allow Jesus to heal us of that wound, if we don't allow Jesus to love us, in that place of darkness, then what tends to happen is we start to manifest these um, disordered desires. We start um, start to act out in unhealthy ways. We start to do things that we don't want to do. We start to sin in ways that we never thought we'd sin before. And then we find ourselves lost. We don't know how to stop sinning. We don't know what to do. And we always get discouraged and hopeless. And we're just figuring out, well, goodness, how can I live a life of freedom? How do other people do it? The people that have that real joy and that sense of peace. And the answer is that they've learned how 
to let go of self-reliance and instead rely upon the love of Christ. They've encountered the living, abundant love of Jesus, and that has pierced their hearts so deeply that they know that he is someone to be trusted, and they rely on him instead of themselves. Why is money a big deal? Because you see, money is not actually a good in itself. Money is simply a potential for power. It's a means to an end. It's a lie that tells us that we can rely upon ourselves. And so really, truly, it's not even about how much you have. Rich people and poor people can cling to their money in self-reliance. And in so doing, they're clinging to this lie of control in their life. They're clinging to this, this lie to themselves that they control the outcome of where their life is headed instead of placing their trust in God. You know, it's kind of ironic that on the dollar bill it says, in God we trust. Because most of us trust in money more than we trust in God. Now, this is hard. This is so, so hard. But it's not about where you put the money, who you give it to, and it's not about how much you actually have. It's about the amount that you cling to that money. And if you think you don't cling to money, you don't have to prove it to me. I don't need to go and see your bank account. You don't have to prove it to anyone in this church today. You don't have to prove it to anyone that you're sitting next to. But God sees it. He sees your heart. And God doesn't just want money because it's powerful. God's all-powerful and so much more powerful than your money. God wants your freedom. He wants you to trust in him instead of wealth. He wants you to trust in the divine spiritual grace of his love rather than the small lie of material gains. Sure, money can be used for God's kingdom. Money's good in some senses. It can be used for the glory of God. But only whenever we let it go. Only when we give it away. Only when we realize that it's Jesus' money first. Which then gives us the courage to trust in Jesus rather than our money. So today we just pray for that, that freedom, that release. The anxiety that you have in your life might be attached to this clinging to control. And if you feel like you are a control freak, that you have a hard time surrendering in life, you have a hard time with patience, you have a hard time with, with anger and compassion, I wonder if there's some connection to the amount in which you cling to your wealth. Jesus instructs us today. He praises the shrewdness of the dishonest steward. Not because he was dishonest, but rather because he was shrewd. Imagine the amount of emotional energy, the creativity, initiative, and foresight, and strategies that we put in to, begin, to becoming rich. Imagine all the dreaming that we do of what we would do if we had more money. How hard we work in our profession so that we can get a large 401k, so that we can be wealthy, we can go on vacation, we can have these amazing things. Imagine if we just had an ounce of that much energy 
for the spiritual life. Now, let me be clear. This is not a homily about giving money to the church. This is a homily about letting go. Give the money to someone in your life. And if you look closely, you're going to see someone in your family, someone in your neighborhood, someone in your circle of influence that's going through a hard time financially. And you might say, wow, but that's me. I'm the one going through a hard time financially. Great. Jesus tells the parable about the poor widow who gave not out of her surplus, but out of her need. But in the giving, she gained more in heaven. And God always blesses a cheerful giver. Imagine a church who was not clinging to self-reliance, but reliance on Jesus. And who radically made that statement by giving away their money to those in need. Imagine that kind of church. This is a hard teaching and it's hard for me too. But we must take scripture seriously. Jesus brings up money often because he knows that it's the greatest thermometer of our sense of self-reliance. And today we radically choose to rely upon Jesus rather than ourselves. And so we pray for that grace of courage. In God we trust. Amen.